0: I hope you guys were absorbing the words to that song. It has a special meaning in my life, in my family's life. I didn't even tell Noah about that song. Um, Scott Steele texted me a link to that song when uh, we were going through an incredibly hard time in fostering. It was, it was something that it's like God. I am, I am doing everything. That I think you want us to do. We are living for you, God, as a family. Words say, though you slay me, I will praise you. Does that ring true for some of you? You feel like you're doing exactly what God wants. You're so in tune with God, you're breathing His breath, you're a reflection of Him to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, And all of a sudden, marriage. Something happens. Something triggers. It falls apart out of the blue. You lose a family member. A child gets cancer. It doesn't heal. Though you take from me, the song says, I will bless your name. You know, sometimes we think that every bad thing that we claim is bad, it's not a God. God allowed it. I've said that. Well, God allowed that to happen. Maybe, just maybe, God didn't just allow it to happen. He planned it to happen. Though you ruin me, still I will worship you. Can that be said of you? Oh, that's my prayer. I want that to be said of me. I want to be so close to God. I want to be walking with him so much that no matter what happens, what destroys me, I will still praise your name. I just wanted to follow up with that because that song had so much meaning to me in a particular time. And I know that if you let the words of that absorb in, that could be your story too. For some of you it is. So I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, we're going to read from verse 14 through 17, titled this message, No Child Stands Alone, and that's kind of the frame of mind that I want you to be in this morning when we think about Orphan Sunday, Stand Sunday, no child should go through any of the pain and suffering that they have alone. To a lot of you guys, I'm Mr. Jeff. I've had your kids come through our Kid Street, our children's church. My wife, Melody, and I, we have, um, we have been serving for so long in here. It's crazy. I was thinking about that this week that when we first started, as every rite of passage for somebody working in children's ministry, and if you didn't get this rite of passage, you're not fully, fully immersed, we changed diapers. We had to change diapers. And as a matter of fact, Melody, I was thinking, some just a couple of the adults that are sitting here. I can't even look at you right now. Some of the adults that are sitting in here now, we changed your diapers. College age. So, again, I'm going to kind of turn my head. So. But, uh, but we, went through, we went through that, and then, of course, Noah, uh, wherever he's at, you know, he was there leading worship, leads a couple times a month. Thanks, sir. Noah's our son. Uh, serves in so many different ways. Marissa, my daughter, right here, 15 years old, never asked her to serve either. Never asked her to do anything. You got to do this, you got to do that. Just jumps right in. Something every Sunday, whether it's the two year olds, some of your two year olds normally during this particular time, or greeting uh, at a couple different locations, uh, or even in the coffee shop. That's primarily where most of you guys hang out till the last minute, till the ninth hour. You're in here uh, with your cups. So I know that you've been through there. You've probably seen her too, serving. So, but um, but we we have definitely loved serving here at Triad for many years, and looking forward to continuing that. Our love in the least of these ministry is an area where we've been serving for quite a while. And, uh, and I tell you what, we're going to t- talk to you more about that in a little bit, but it is something special and dear to our hearts, and it has made such an impact in the lives of families who have adopted or fostered. You heard the testimony of Lisa, and we want to make sure that that continues, that thrives, and more and more people can come up here and give that same testimony that so many stepped in from this church and helped. I'm not asking you to adopt. I'm not asking you to foster. God may be but I'm not, so. Uh, I just want you to help. I want you to be there. I want you to be the hands and feet of Christ. Stand with me. We are going to read Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Go ahead and have a seat. So as I was thinking about what to say, the message that I wanted to share with you guys and just praying over this, and so many of you guys have texted me, you've told me you were praying, lifted up this Sunday in prayer, and I'm so thankful. But what I wanted to share with you guys was something based off of a conversation that Heather Steele told me about, that another mom had had... Uh, with someone that said, these particular Sundays, these particular Sundays where there's an emphasis on something where I feel somewhat guilty, like I've got to help, I've got to do something, and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, Orphan Sunday or Sand Sunday. It could be something related to any of our ministries where we sometimes guilt you into doing stuff. Uh, and, And like Heather said, we are not here to do that. Please don't take it that way. But the idea behind a conversation, which I didn't even hear all of it, I knew exactly where she was going with this. I knew exactly what that meant, because I've probably been there myself a couple of times in different scenarios. This mom felt like, you have this Orphan Sunday, you put these kids on the screen, they're in these homes, and man, if you watched that video and didn't cry, I want you to watch it again. I want you to see the hands and feet of Jesus in action through the moms and dads who are fostering, through the people that are supporting a child who has no earthly father figure, who has no earthly mother figure. And so this mom felt like when a Sunday like this happens, you are asking me to save a child. I can't even save my own home. My home is a wreck. I've just barely got things together. There's this going on and that going on and my kids are off the chain. I get a call from a parent or another parent or I get a call from a teacher. I get a call from Mr. Tim. It's like once a month, something happens. How in the world do you expect me to take in a child or to help anyone when I can hardly help myself? And I want to say to you guys, we are certainly not asking you to save anyone's life. And I want to give you a different perspective on that. When Christ came, first coming, on this earth, what did that look like? Do we ever stop and think about what that really looked like for the people in that day that were with him every day? I think we've kind of lost that perspective because all we ever say is, hey, Jesus came here to save us. And he did. But did he save them? Their eternal home is in heaven. But did he pull them out of the sin, the debauchery, the wickedness, the brokenness, the death? No. No, he did not. He came to this earth in a manger. And that sounds great on a Christmas card. It sounds great when we put this little nativity scene in our front yards or maybe on our fireplace mantel. But honestly, moms, how many of you would look at that and say, that is so precious, just a, a manger, just the word manger. I would like to deliver my child in a manger. Not a single one of us. This is our God. This is the creator of the earth, the one who made it, spoke it into existence, holds it in the palm of his hands, humbled himself enough to come down to the earth to walk with us and start off his journey as a baby in a manger where the cows and the sheep use the bathroom. That's it. Can you imagine that scene that day? And it does not get a whole lot better. Jesus didn't graduate from that and then move on into a nice neighborhood with a nice job, go on to college, and then have this big family and travel around the world, stay in these nice hotels, hobnob with kings and queens. It didn't happen that way, did it? So I want you to set your frame of mind to a foster family or you. And we are called to be like Christ. And how do we be like Christ? We're with the child in his brokenness. We're not saving him. That's God's job. There is too much that has gone on, too much trauma in his life or her life, too much wickedness that they've seen, that they've experienced at the hands of some wicked people. We can't save that. Only God can. But what we are asked to do is to walk with them. Walking with them. I want to give you a little illustration. Because part of me is actually wanting you to be scared. If you come in here and think, you know what, that message pumped me up. I am on it, man. Either I'm going to adopt, I'm going to foster, or I'm going to find somebody and help them with it. Let me give you an illustration of what that really looks like. Renaud Vanderright is a pastor out of Florida who came up here for a uh, uh, foster family conference a few months ago, and I was able to attend that. And uh, he gave this great illustration. So some of us think, and he as well thought, I've got my family together. You know, there's a couple of us. We are doing well. God's blessed. And uh, God, are you speaking to me? Yes, you are speaking to me. You want me to foster. You want me to. That's a great idea. You've given me the income, you've given me the room. I can do this. Imagine, if you will, that your family, your life is like this tractor trailer truck. I don't know why I picked that, but he did. And I'm sharing it with you. It's got all the bells and whistles. It's nice. It's tricked out. Chrome wheels that are shiny, not a speck of brake dust on it. Uh, This thing has a sleeper cabin that is bigger than my bedroom. And this is pristine. It is running like a top. Shifts great. I mean, rides smooth. No issues whatsoever. And you think that you can bring someone into your home because you've got the room, you've got the means. You can bring someone into your home and you can help them. You can walk with them and you can. But before you do that, let me let you know what it's like on this side. What they really look like. Their life illustrates another tractor trailer. That tractor trailer looks pretty good too Because you saw it on the little news thing where it advertised kids that are up for adoption or maybe you even looked at it on the website of a foster family or maybe you talked to your social worker and they were telling you about it. Oh, they look good and they are cute as a button. And then there's some of the teenagers, maybe not as cute, but they got it all together. You know, they're excelling in school, uh, they're stable, they've got friends, they just need a forever home and they do. But you understand that things are a little rough there. That truck doesn't run as good, doesn't shift as smooth, it's got a little pull to the left as it's going down the highway. And you are gonna merge your family and him or her. So, have you ever seen two trucks running 85 miles an hour in the same direction at each other? Merge. So, picture this it is a bad crash. You ever heard cars crashing? It's not like the movies, is it? It's an eerie sound when a car crashes. But this, this scene has now become a disaster zone, a war zone. There's wheels that have just been broken off the axle. There's glass everywhere. There's sheet metal all over the place. For hundreds of feet away, you'll see pieces and parts. Of these two tractor trailers and that's kind of what it's like for family when you bring them in you bring in a child into your home it's gonna be great the first few weeks maybe in the first couple of months and then out of the blue you say to them hey you you bought that you asked for that meal now eat it and all of a sudden, it's a temp- temper tantrum. They are throwing themselves on the ground. It is like, what in the world did I just say? Or another instance, it's time to go to school, and they ain't going to school. They ain't going to school. Done and over with, and you have tried everything. They're kicking and screaming and yelling at you, telling you they hate you and they don't want to be here. And this is what it's like for a foster family when these two trucks hit and explode. You know what happens next? The hands and feet of Jesus. Come together, you guys, whether it be through our ministry or whether you hear of this and you... No, this family is fostering and they are struggling. This family has got a child that was given to them through a kinship placement and they are struggling. And we walk in beside them and to the crash scene and we start picking up wheels and tires and figuring out how to put air in them. And we go find that door handle that's in a ditch and we figure out how to get that back on the door. And we sweep up the glass and we figure out a way of putting something, cardboard or whatever, at the window so that they can roll it down. We find the steering wheel and we put it back in position. And we figure out a way of getting this truck, this family, rolling again. That's you. That's me. That's us being the body of Christ, doing what he said for us to do, helping others in need. If we're not fostering, we should be looking for opportunities to come to the scene and rescue them and help them. That truck, put back together with our help, will never look the same. It will never run the same. It will never roll straight down the highway, but it will be a functioning truck. And that family, with the help of us, The body of Christ will be a very functional family. All for the sake of walking with this child that they've brought into their home and pointing him to Christ so that he can have a loving, saving relationship with him. Why in the world would we do that? Why would we risk our family's lives? Why would we want to jump into that? Simply because we abide in Christ. Because we love Him so much that the love of God is flowing out of us, brimming over, that everything around us is affected by it. It's impossible for it not to be affected if you are in love with God that much. We are to be Such a picture of Christ. When he was here, he walked those dirty streets. He helped those people. Yes, he healed some of them, but they still got sick. Yes, he raised Lazarus back to life, but he still died. And that in no way takes away any of the glory of God. It was a measure of his glory for that specific time and that specific place. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, in front of his disciples, in front of his followers, he left them there to do his work the way he had showed him. And that still applies today. I need to move on to something. I'm going to jump back into Scripture. And this is something, just kind of switching gears a little bit, because I wanted to share this with you. And it is something that is related to my daughter Marissa, she has never seen this. She has never seen this, these two sheets of paper. She's never seen what I'm about to read to you guys. Not even sure. She's never even heard of it or maybe even not familiar with it. She was born, our adopted daughter, September 2008. The date on these papers is um, February of 2009. In the matter of the adoption, Marissa Nicole Chandler. This is final judgment of adoption. And the first paragraph, to summarize, talks about how she has been made available for adoption. For you and I, our sin made us available for adoption, separated us from God, but it made us eligible through Christ for adoption. Another part of that first paragraph talks about how Melody and myself and I said this before, Noah, this applies to you even though it doesn't have your name on it. I could easily say, me, Melody, and Noah. We are the petitioners, and we have been granted the option to adopt. Ordered and adjudged, the words say. Ordered and adjudged. Powerful words here. Incredibly powerful words. Aside from the scripture, I don't know of any more powerful uh, uh, sheet of words in my life. Three things. Whoops. Let's try that again. Three things. Three things ordered in a judge. Number one: the minor child known as Marissa Nicole Chandler is declared to be legally free for adoption. Number two, the minor child, Marissa Nicole Chandler, is declared to be the legal child. She is declared to be, ordered and adjudged, our legal child. And follow up to number two, said child shall retain the name Marissa Nicole Chandler, by which name the child shall be forever. Forever. Known forever. I'm going to jump back to Scripture here. Listen to this. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. We are God's children. I have two incredibly powerful pieces of paper in my hand. This one, the Word of God. This one, from a court in Florida that said, Marissa Nicole Chandler shall be known by that name forever. You are a child of God if you put your faith and trust in him forever. Number three, the minor child known as Marissa Nicole Chandler shall be the child and natural and legal heir of the petitioners Jeff and Melody Chandler Listen to this. Entitled to all rights and privileges and subject to all obligations of a child born to the petitioners. You know who I'm talking about now? That's Noah. Our birth child and our adopted daughter, according to these papers, are equal. There is no difference. Everything that we have they have. They are our heirs. Let me jump back to Scripture again. And if children, if children of God, you and I have trusted Christ as our Savior, who are following Him, walking with Him, trusting in Him, serving Him, if children also heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Let that sink in that we are God's children called for a purpose to serve Him in whatever capacity. I would love for it to be in helping a child, in helping a family that has taken in a child. I don't know what that looks like in your life. I don't know what spiritual gifts you have, but in some way, shape, or form, I want you today to ask God, how do you want me to be like you? What does that look like? Stand in the mirror if you have to. Look at yourself and ask yourself, what do I need to take away to look more like you, Christ? What do I need to do with these hands and these feet and this mouth? What do I need to do to look like you? I want you to finish reading chapter 8 when you get home. Finish reading it and just absorb the glory of God how good he is to us, and also the jobs that we have to do here. We are not to be sitting here, coming into church on Sundays, going out to eat, and then pushing it aside, and then going about our work. I am guilty of that just like the next person. God, convict me of that. Make sure that my eyes are open to you. When I look at this world, it's through your eyes. How can I serve you, God? How can I be your hands and your feet? Heather, I want you to come up, and Noah, I think your, your worship team, you guys go ahead and come up. I'm going to wrap this up, but I want to share with you guys, actually Heather is going to help with that, share with you guys some things that um, we would like your help with with this ministry, specifically because this ministry has been struggling for a little bit. And... Uh, Man, you guys have given, and I want you to know that the funds that you are giving, that you're continuing, excuse me, that you're continuing to give, are um, are being used. But there's so much more that this ministry can do, and we want your help.
1: We do have a big ask. We began in 2016, and the majority of our team were made up of foster and adoptive parents who were in the throes. trauma and who are on the front lines fighting for these kids and our families and it weren't until it didn't and then COVID hit took a big hit but over the years you know people have moved and relocated and we need you to join our team the harvest is plenty and the labors are few specifically we need someone to help us with all of the money that you all have donated to delegate that to different ministries, ministry opportunities, or to different families in need, or to different organizations that we can come alongside and support. We need people who can help coordinate activities and events, support groups where these families can get together and fellowship together and cry together and encourage each other as only each other can. Maybe we as a church should host events for our families in our community to come and find refuge and healing in Christ. We need someone to help us coordinate meals, to be able to, you know, to say, I can cook, I can deliver a meal. And we heard from Lisa what a, what a deal breaker that is when you've got a new child in your home or when you are grieving. And the last thing that you want to think about is how to feed people, to have someone be able to feed you. We need people who can help us promote They uh, need to get things out on social media to say, hey, this is what our ministry is working on. This is the need that we have. Maybe that's something that you can do. We need prayer teams organized for specific prayer requests because we have seen how people coming together and storming heaven's, heaven's gates for a child has made a difference. And even in my own life, I can testify to people who have shown up on my door to clean my toilets, as I was grieving the loss of a child to bring food for my family when I just didn't have the strength to organize and there's no way I could ever repay those people only in heaven will they ever know the difference that they made in the life of a child and my weakness and through my defeat and we are asking you to do the same specifically I, we believe that in preparation for this Sunday God has already been speaking to you We aren't going to beg and plead because we believe that he's already given you a question that we just gave you the answer to, that this is the thing for you, for your family. We've got a list of things up on the screen that we would like for you to pray over. If you have anything, any gifts to offer, any time to give, and it doesn't have to be much. We believe, you know, many hands make light work. So if we can bind together and make this happen, that we believe that God will empower us to make a difference, not only in our church, but in our community, and most importantly, in the life of a child.
0: Yeah, I do want to say that it's not just this ministry. All of the ministries here at some point go through some tough times and struggle. See where God leads you. See what God wants you to do. And again, it's as you were mentioning, this this is not something like you're coming on board and it's a full-time job. We're just asking for a couple of hours a month in some particular roles just to help us. Somebody had uh, mentioned to us earlier that, hey, they're interested in it. And I'm like, look, I just want you to sit down and talk with. We just want to bounce things off of you and see how we can lead. We want to have a team together to continue this ministry, to continue helping others pick up the broken pieces in their life and put them back together. Thank you guys. I want you to go ahead and stand and worship with us as we have one more closing song.